Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Growth Support, where we talk about scaling support, growth and development, leadership, and so much more. I started Growth Support to share knowledge with the community as I learned it along my own journey, because I truly believe that it can be valuable for others as well. And that's why I'm so excited about this conversation, because I got a chance to sit down with Sarah Feldman, the Director of Member Engagement at the Consortium for Service Innovation, to talk about knowledge sharing and specifically how to kickstart your knowledge-centered service or KCS journey. I just started the KCS journey in my own organization, so I really wanted to pick her brain here about everything KCS. If you don't know or haven't already, I highly, highly recommend going to check out the KCS methodology and the Consortium for Service Innovation at serviceinnovation.org. We don't explicitly go over the methodology in this conversation, so it might be useful to see alongside it. And with that, let's get into it. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. I, mean, I would say in person, but to virtually meet you <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, I, I would love to pick your brain about getting started with KCS, kind of through mm -hmm. the methodology, a little bit the foundation, talk about the blog article you just wrote as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'd love to just learn a little bit more about you and who you are and how you got into knowledge. And <laughs> Yeah, so the quickest story is that I started my career as a technical writer and i'm really grateful always that my very first technical writing role was embedded with a support team because a lot of times in software companies the tech writer roles are with engineering and developers sometimes even marketing um or other functions but so from day one i had a front row well i guess maybe the support folks had the front row i maybe i was second row in terms of what it was like to support customers and through my boss there we went down a path of knowledge management to really enable uh, support knowledge, um, and he introduced me to KCS, knowledge-centered service. So or from early days, my career really started to straddle technical writing and knowledge management via via KCS. I really see them as more more similar than different. There are many people in the, in the software world who feel that they're more different. <laughs> and my, my mission in life is to make people see that they're the same, at least from a customer experience perspective. Um, but anyway, that's for another time. So yeah, um, learned about KCS, got certified in KCS, became a member of the Consortium for Service Innovation after a few jobs. And so that's the, the nonprofit group behind KCS. Not everyone knows that, which is fine. Um, our mission is to just get our members together and innovate and solve problems and put what we can out into the world. And we are pretty sure there's thousands of people in the world who have heard of K KCS and have never heard of the Consortium for Service Innovation. And we actually think that's kind of a positive sign in a weird way um, of adoption and, and people having good experience with it. So I was a member of the Consortium for several years and then eventually had the privilege of joining the staff. So I'm one of six, soon to be five, uh, staff members for the consortium. And then we have 60 something members that are pretty active and continually evolving KCS. KCS does has a lot of constant motion behind the scenes with the members who fund the work and are constantly sort of poking at it, iterating at it. And then we can put out into the world what gets a little bit um, more mature. And it's the best job ever. The end. It sounds it sounds <laughs> sounds like quite the journey. I mean, I'm really yeah. curious. You mentioned like 
people find that tech writing is very different than knowledge management or mm -hmm. like what do you think makes tech writing so unique as a role by itself i love how you phrase that it's the the role of tech writing i think is more unique than the output of what gets created and um because of that that sort of infiltrates the customer experience in my opinion so from a role perspective tech writers it's it's more about triggers and workflows i talk about so tech writers are more proactive ideally they're involved as early as possible in product development life cycles because they really understand uh how to understand things and they can find issues and work with folks to make sure that whatever is being created a product or service what have you is being created in a way that is usable and so that's the main thing is is tech writers create content to make sure that the product or service is usable um successfully and and to ideally create value for the end user and and they're working with engineers and developers and customers and customer support you know all around the organization to create the content that's going to really enable those end users the most um, but and the, what they create is content that needs to be in the customer's workflow, where the customer is, right place, right time, right, whatever, right? Um, just like knowledge-based content should be, so. I love the way you put that because you say, uh, while we're building all the workflows, it's more about writing to make sure that it's usable, that it's creating mm -hmm. value for those mm -hmm. users. Because mm -hmm. while I was doing all of my research into the consortium, it's the KCS and the full methodology, uh, one of the phrases that really stuck with me was the goal is not completeness and fullness. The goal is to be useful uh, and to be able to be actually usable and helpful. Yes. Uh, and the way that you put that into the tech writing really creates a nice blend into yes. uh, the focus of the content itself. Exactly. Yes. And as a former tech writer, I totally relate to this sort of this pride and um, there's another word here that I'm not gonna think of this second, but the the importance of our role to elevate the content. And I think it is because we care so much about how it is useful uh, to the end user, but by accident, sometimes that means maybe we care too much about the things that are less important like consistency and perfection perfection <laughs> right and that's not really what end users need they need what they they need it now and where they are more than perfect content now it needs to be accurate that's an important yeah, of course. <laughs> to be clear when i say it doesn't have to be perfect accuracy is still very important <laughs> yeah exactly exactly we going into the ever-changing world of knowledge can always be something where that knowledge is also always changing yeah. so making sure that it is accurate while you're using it is also a very important part Absolutely. when i was doing the research for knowledge-centered service my mm -hmm. understanding is really that it is this ever-flowing cycle of information of making sure that it is continuously evolving but yes. always meeting those customer needs for somebody who visits the consortium's website and goes through KCS and the methodology and everything, there's a lot of information floating yeah. around. And there's a lot of writing and detailed information. Mm -hmm. For somebody getting started with it, when they when they enter, what would you say is the foundational base information if it boiled down to a couple of things that they would need to get started? 
Um, well, the blog post we mentioned is is something that I've been working on really for years, but in a short term more um, for about nine months through some conversations because we keep, keep hearing that question so often because as you rightfully say, the methodology that is captured publicly is very robust. It's based on 30 years of experience from hundreds of people. So what's, I think I make a math joke in the in the article, right? So I don't can can what do the math of how many years of experience are, are captured in that um, in that wisdom, as we like to say. So it is very very robust, but I will get to the answer. But just sort of um, give a plug for why it is so robust because people have so much experience doing this. They've learned all i shouldn't say they've learned all the lessons they've learned many lessons they've made many mistakes and what is captured there is necessary in a way to guide folks through a kcs journey like why are we repeating the same mistakes and what's so funny is that there are certain things that we hear again and again and again and in terms of people making the same mistakes again and again and again and it's for good reason. It's because we, uh, even in the tech world, are still doing things in a way that is quite an artifact of the industrial revolution and like assembly line things. And that's what's in our head. And so we're really needing to break down a lot of assumptions and habits when we move into a KCS way of doing things. And that really is the what's most important to sort of learn right away is that KCS, one of our uh, catchphrases is, it's not something you do in addition to your work, it becomes the way you do your work. It's it's problem solving in the workflow, it's collaborative, it's letting everyone who has the knowledge, which is ever evolving through every customer and interaction, um, getting captured right away, you know, removing barriers. And in, in a way, we another way we say it is sort of like getting out of people's way. Like let people like your people who work for your company know know this stuff. Let them share it. Um one of the most common hiccups or hesitations that folks have is this idea of um support engineers publishing to a customer facing knowledge base. They're like, well that's not that's not what they're trained to do. Well, I ask you this, are they trained to give customers answers? Is, isn't that actually literally their job? Um, so if you trust them to be on a phone or send an email directly to a customer, why would you not trust them if enabled properly to publish that information right to a self-service knowledge base? As they should, because it's better for their current knowledge capture it's better for their peer next to them who on the next case now has instant access to that information and it's better for the end user who now has access to that information and uh can self-solve their issue much more quickly so did i answer your question um yeah getting started it is it is really acknowledging that it is more of a mental shift than people realize but it's for good reason um and it is important to empathize with what makes it hard while making sure that people understand why you're moving in this different direction understanding the why constantly communicating the why and getting everyone really bought into the vision um is super important to moving forward nice i have two things one one a note and one a question okay <laughs> one I, I love that you use the support engineer example because for me 
uh, I have a very small team, so we don't actually have full support engineers. We have our own tech, separate tech team, and the people who are rolling at KCS with we just started our journey uh, is the frontline reps. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed when we did our article writing session and workshop to get started with, hey, here's how we're going to start uh, writing and how you can start to formulate things, uh, is kind of a little bit of the opposite where. <laughs> that frontline rep, the communication is very fluffy uh, and very empathetic. But when you think about like writing help center articles, maybe we mm -hmm. tone that down a little bit to be a little bit yes. more practical as well. Just funny that it's the opposite side of the spectrum <laughs> that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we have uh, recommendations in the methodology for things like it comes across or the deliverable that's created, we call is the content standard. But it is there's a little bit of training of course involved in adjusting right the you mentioned a version of this a little while ago the complete thoughts not complete sentences right making sure that what you're capturing is findable and usable by the next person so yeah what you would put in an email to one person is not you would put less than that in in one article that many people are supposed to use for self-service absolutely yeah you also mentioned that there's a lot of common mistakes that you see people make and common questions mm -hmm. that you get. What would you say is like the top two, three common mistakes that you see people make that they can learn from that maybe they don't catch from the content of the consortium? Yeah, great question. So uh, one of them, this is not really a cop out, but it's sort of not following the advice that's literally captured publicly. Can't tell you how often we see questions from folks out in the world that they're running into a problem. How do we solve this? How do we solve that? We kind of have a joke like, Re read the methodology. It's that like literally the answer answer's probably there. Um, okay, with that said, um, metrics and measures is a big thing. So being ready to sort of shift your perspective. Uh, number one thing, maybe I do have a number one thing. It's hard to pick one because then in a minute I'll say another one that I think is number one, but right now the number one thing uh, don't put goals on activities, only on outcomes, because anything that can be gamed can be misused. So the classic one that we see most often is uh, KCS program managers who are trying to get support folks, you know, uh, ramped up and excited and into it, um, put goals on creating articles. Like, hey guys, we're all doing this now. If if everyone creates five articles this week or this month, you'll get a pizza party or an Amazon gift card, or you know, this is part of your bonus, even worse. Um, well, what does what does that create? It creates crap articles, right? If hey, I'm I answered a question in one sentence, that's an article. Hey, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right, exactly. So you get it. Um, and any sort of activity. Now, activities are important to look at and measure to evaluate trends and participation and how a, the program is moving and flowing for better or for worse to enable conversations, coaching. We talk. Oh, I'm going to talk about coaching in a minute. Uh, that's the next one. Um, but it's the outcomes that actually matter in terms of any sort of goals you would have. So that's how um, there's a whole measurement matters paper uh, in KCS methodology that talks about this, but it's leading versus lagging indicators. So the lagging indicators, the outcomes, that's where you can incentivize a little bit, but never, ever, ever on anything that's an activity. Yeah, I would say uh, observational metrics versus outcome metrics are very important exactly. to keep defined differently. 
things that you want to observe and you want to keep an eye on, definitely important. Mm -hmm. Don't hold people accountable for them. Outcomes, right. what the actual value to the customers are and the value yeah. that it generates, yes. definitely important. You get it. You get it. This is easy. Uh, before I move on from metrics, the other important thing is uh, setting management and leadership expectations about how the metrics are going to change. So real quick, big picture, um, there's a couple things that seem like blips, but they're totally expected in terms of the metrics. So first of all, when you introduce any change into a system for a quick minute, some of those metrics are going to look worse because people are learning. You need people to have time to learn. And yes, that will slow some things down. So prepare for that. Um, that's when people don't believe like, well, KCS is, is in addition to doing our work. It's not the way, trust me, it's called a learning curve. And once you get past it, y'all will be uh, way better off. You need um, to get in the rhythm. Yes, exactly. Give people a minute. Um, and then related to that long-term, um, traditional support center metrics look worse. And very specifically what that means is things like average handle time and case closure things. If you zoom out and think big picture, so we're capturing the knowledge, we're fueling our self-service engine, our customers are loving it. Now they're doing more self-service. What does that look like for the cases that are now coming into the support center? Well, we're not getting, we're getting, we talk about new versus known in KCS. So in an ideal world, any known issue, as soon as we know it, customers are self-solving it and or it's getting solved like proactively. And so then the only assisted cases we're getting are more complicated and new. So what does that look like for your traditional metrics? We're taking way more time to solve each case and we are solving less cases, you know, per day or per whatever measurement period than we used to. And that is very scary to a support leader because those are, that's their, that's their bread and butter, some of those metrics. Um, but when you put it in context of support volume being moved to unassisted or self-service channels, overall, the big picture, things are moving in the right direction. And so setting those expectations of what, what that journey looks like and um, the value story is really important from the beginning. Yeah, especially when you look at it in terms of isolated metrics. Average handle time is also very gameable, right? Yes. If I want to, if I, if I want to average handle time, I'm not going to investigate. I'm just going to give a quick quick answer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you need to always have a balanced scorecard when mm -hmm. you go through metrics, and just including. Uh, self-service metrics in that balanced scorecard is just a yeah, new version of the scorecard you already have. Yes. And that self-service success is 100% a reflection of your support agents who are contributing to that knowledge doing the right thing. So they, you know, they should be applauded for it. I agree. You mentioned you were going to go back to coaching. Coaching. So important. <laughs> This is a thing that time and time again, our members, especially and other folks out there, a long-term successful sustained KCS program needs coaching. And coaching is a thing that's talked about a bunch, probably not enough. Our members have been poking more at coaching lately in terms of capturing what they've learned, but it's taking the time to continually support your support agents in their KCS journey. So coaching, uh, there are some tools, again, in the KCS methodology for coaches to use to ensure that their knowledge workers are practicing KCS um, the best way for the, for the right outcomes. And it's a thing that 
is we often see leadership having a hard time finding the time for because they feel that it takes away from doing the work but it you know work is work coaching is part of the work and the outcomes and the benefits that organizations see when they fully embrace coaching um are you know can't be overstated f5 is one of our member companies that has done one of the best jobs really telling the story of coaching in their organization and they've been able to correlate coaching activity to outcomes far beyond their kcs program i mean it, like i like it basically leads to happier employees i mean that i don't think they use those words exactly but they have a bunch of metrics people love metrics that they've tracked that that coaching coat time spent coaching correlates to better outcomes across the board i mean people feel um, invested in their learning they're developing they're gaining yeah, their skills it makes total sense why would you take away the time that you're helping your employees you know focus on how to improve their work like what yeah right when you say it that way it's kind of silly, but it's one of the quickest things that when times are times are tough budgets uh you know you know firefights in the in the sports center whatever whatever it may be when people feel like something has to go because we're doing too much with too little uh coaching gets looked at first to be removed and that's one of the biggest mistakes hmm. it makes a lot of sense especially since it's quote unquote easy to cut it out essentially it feels it's easy to, it feels extra but it's really actually foundational <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um so when you look at kcs there's a double loop process uh, mm -hmm. in the methodology yes and for that, um, my question is, how much involvement would you say that knowledge workers on the front line of knowledge are involved in both sides, or is there a limitation to the side of the loop that they're involved in versus leadership? Yeah, great question. So um, with the KCS licensing model, the most important thing is to get folks comfortable with the solve loop because that's where we're capturing knowledge real time as it's constantly evolving um in the evolve loop it's interesting how you phrase your question because there's things in that are cat that are sort of covered in the evolve loop that are once again are foundational to the whole system so they're sort of influencing all knowledge workers in a way so uh, it can be a mistake to sort of think we're we're just going to focus on the solve loop and we'll worry about the evolve loop later. There are ways that you want to scale up what you're doing with the evolve loop over time, but it's it's really self-supporting in that way. All the steps in both loops. Now, specifically, knowledge domain analysis is something that's focused on in the evolve loop. Um, that can wait a bit, both in terms of time because you need a little bit of historical data to start to get some patterns that you then would do knowledge domain analysis with and that becomes a really great upskilling or a promotion even opportunity over time where some knowledge workers who really get into the flow become kcs experts and subject matter experts it's a way for them to practice some of that um reflexive work to look back at the whole system and improve things a little bit more holistically as opposed to sort of solve loop day to day 
Yeah, and as you bring that knowledge and usefulness and those metrics back into the organization, they're making core product fixes and that knowledge changes and it evolves as well. And it goes back exactly. into the exactly. new versions of the loop as you go. Yeah, so you tend to have less, a, a smaller segment of folks actually doing a lot evolve loop work, but what the purpose of the evolve loop serves, that goes back to what I said at the beginning of making sure everyone understands why we're doing what we're doing, because what happens in the evolve loop is ultimately the biggest wins you get for, like you talked about product and process improvements and more holistic customer experience improvements and things that happen well beyond just, you know, support interactions. And you want your solve loopers to 100% understand that connection and how A is feeding B. And so awareness and understanding is important, but not everyone needs to sort of be an expert in the evolve loop, right? They just, you need to make sure that you're communicating the intent of it. I love that you also mentioned rep development because mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm very passionate about as you might tell from all my interactions is learning yeah. development growth mm -hmm. uh, as well. Um, I'm really curious because KCS is a way to be able to give ownership to knowledge workers and reps to be able to handle knowledge and take that on themselves. Yes. Um, my question is for when you look at the maturity of organizations and teams, in a small startup or scaling organization who's crunched for resources uh, and press, they might look at KCS as a way to disperse the ownership of knowledge so that they don't need a dedicated role or owner for it. Sure. Uh, when would you say is the moment when you need a dedicated program manager or somebody to kind of own at least the, the knowledge itself uh, versus that dispersed ownership? Yeah, great question. So a little clarification. Everyone owns the knowledge. That's really actually important for everyone to feel bought into. Even if you created the knowledge or a knowledge article, I'm a I'm a, if I'm a your fellow knowledge worker, I'm already a co-owner of it, right? Because the next time I use it, I'm responsible for updating it if necessary. So a distinction there that we all do own the knowledge. Now the program itself that's that's the piece where there might there should be a program manager and yeah your bigger your bigger organizations your bigger programs ideally they have a few dedicated folks full-time just to managing the program um what's the time when you need to start to have a program manager i mean day one it should be someone's responsibility to be the caretaker of the program can they get away with not being that not being their full-time job maybe they have some other jobs at the same time Pro probably that's just real reality right uh especially in a small startup but it it absolutely doesn't the program health needs to be someone's responsibility the knowledge is co-owned by everyone so uh when you say everyone owns the knowledge mm -hmm. i full-heartedly agree <laughs> personally before i make my next statement i agree okay. <laughs> what i often hear a lot of the times is if everyone owns it no one owns it mm. how do you feel about that and how do you avoid that culture within kcs um how I, how do i feel about it i disagree <laughs> um but you knew i was gonna say that how do I avoid if everyone owns it, no one owns it? That's just not, 
that's just not how it works. Ooh, I might have to come back to you with a better rebuttal for this one. That's a that's a good question. But because my only answer is just like that, that's not it. I mean, the, if we're all, it's like saying, maybe I do have an answer. Aren't we all responsible for our customers being successful? Does any one person is when you're when you have a customer on the phone or on on you know the other side of an email in that interaction yes you are responsible for that customer's um you know positive outcome or resolving their issue but as soon as someone else is interacting with that customer it's their responsibility so it's a it's a shared responsibility the knowledge as well because the knowledge is part of customer experience and customer value because that's what helps the customers be successful. It's based off of what customers need, their demand, their use cases, their words, quite literally, in the content. So I think it's just, you know, explaining and clarifying that we're all, this is part of all of our job responsibilities. So this is the reason why I asked the question. Because? Uh -huh. You set me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not setting you up for anything. I promise, I promise. The reason why I asked the question is because mm -hmm. Uh, when you talk about coaching and you talk about being able to help people feel empowered to write knowledge articles and take ownership over the knowledge. Uh, and if you are giving that responsibility to frontline reps who are the ones working with customers, using the customer language, helping mm -hmm. them. You mentioned before when it gets super busy in terms of dumpster fires, mm -hmm. you keep the culture of, oh, I'm super busy right now. I don't need to write an article for this one. Somebody else will write one eventually then that lack of ownership steps in and you don't yeah. see it. And then you go from coaching to performance management. How yeah. do you manage the balance between coaching support, ownership of knowledge and performance management in KCS? Yeah, you, many folks are, you're gonna run into that. When things, when it's a pressure cooker, right? Some things, things are gonna crack. And A, that's okay because it's reality. Uh, we're humans, not robots yet. <laughs> um, never. Humans are always going to be needed for the record. Let's just let's just make sure that gets in there. Um, what were they saying? Oh, so what it is, it's it's a it's a opportunity to to reinforce why this system works and why it's important to participate. So you say you say, I'm going to pretend it was you. This is your, you, you're saying, I don't have time to write this article because I have a hundred more cases. So I don't no, I'm super busy. I'm super busy. Right. Well, but if you have just learned something new and you don't capture it right now for this next person next to you, your peer, when they see the same issue five minutes from now, they're now going to be redoing that work that you just did rather than making use of the work that you just did. And so you actually, in the busiest times, is when you can't afford time-wise not to do it because you're literally making the problem in today worse by not capturing the knowledge right now, any new knowledge right now. Now, to be clear, a lot of times in these crazy days, there's a vulnerability, there's an issue, whatever, a bad update went out. I used to work in antivirus software. Oh my gosh, those days were insane. Not every case is an opportunity for new knowledge. So that, right, if you have a hundred customers calling in with the same issue, 
that is not 100 new articles. We're just making sure that anything new is getting captured right away. Because um, like I said, if you don't, then the next person next to you is redoing that work. And maybe even more importantly, there's a if you don't capture it right now, you are going to lose that information. So if you're going to just do it later, it's going to be done worse later. So you might as well do it now where it's going to be better now, more accurate, more relevant, more in the customer's context now, and more usable by your peers and your customers if you do it now. So it's just, it's part of why the system actually works. Yeah. I mean, even better, right? What you mentioned, it's not all all cases don't need new information if the information exists right, setting, right even if you're not setting your peers up for success in the future if you're super busy you want to be less busy right or you yes. at least want to be more efficient with it if yes. you capture it the first time and write it now mm -hmm. if you hit those hundred other cases and it's something that you took care of maybe five two minutes now mm -hmm. You're setting yourself up for a more efficient workload in the queue later exactly. on. So you might as well do it for yourself, even if it's not for your peers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. I'm really enjoying the conversation. <laughs> Me too. He's here all day long. <laughs> Maybe I have one last question yeah. for you. Over your career, it doesn't necessarily need to be in KCS specifically or anything, just overall in your working career. Mm -hmm what's one thing that you've learned that you still hold to today what's the thing in all of my career that i've learned hmm. to me i go back to this silly little story in high school where i was the yearbook can i tell the story very quickly i think i can i was the yearbook editor in high school in 2000, early 2000s to date me. So what that means is we did things manually and I was the layout editor. I was responsible, as a senior in high school, I was responsible for all the other uh, little kiddos who wanted to do layouts for the yearbook. And halfway through the year to our art teacher, the head of the yearbook, I started complaining. I said, all, all these silly little kiddos, they're doing it wrong. They're doing the layout wrong. They're breaking the layout rules. The photos are supposed to be laying a certain way, da, 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 whatever. I was complaining to her. And she kind of did this little, a little facetious, a little wise, all-knowing laugh at me. And then, and sort of said, Sarah, you're the layout editor. If they're doing it wrong, it's your responsibility. <laughs> and here I was thinking that, you know, being a little condescending and laughing about them behind their backs. And it was my responsibility. So I take that and I apply that, I think, to as much as I can, but in two main ways. Um, one is about just kind of like your own career and your own job. And when you're experiencing frustrations, very often there's something you can and should do about it. And instead of just complaining. Now, there's things that happen that are out of our control. I'm not, I don't want to be insensitive to those realities, but I would say more often than not, if you're having an issue at work with how things are going for you, you're, it's your responsibility to, you're, you're the person, you're the, the editor of your career, right? So what are you going to do about it? And then I also think that really applies to cross-functional collaboration. Um, 
way too often, and I know I've participated in this myself, this idea of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person from this other department did this thing and they don't understand what we're going through. They don't understand our priorities. They made this mistake. They did a thing that they thought was a good idea. And now there's ripple effect consequences over here. And it's a huge problem. And how dare they, or what an idiot even, right? But if this is a domain that you're responsible for, right? This is another version of the same story. If you're responsible for customer experience over here and someone in another department has done a thing that has negatively impacted that thing that you're responsible for, yeah, you can sit and complain and laugh behind their back about how incompetent they are that they've done something that has messed up your, your domain. Or you can realize that it's actually your job to make sure that they understand why and how that has happened and how to fix it, right? Most of your coworkers are doing, trying to do the best they can with their worldview and their perspective, um, their abilities and their limitations. And so when there's issues, just go talk to them about it or figure out what you can do to uh, resolve it or at least mediate it or mitigate it. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that because you take responsibility for the things around you, but at the same uh -huh. time, everyone's success uh is everyone's success so yeah if you're all working together and taking responsibility for that customer experience it only means more success for the mm -hmm. team and for your customers as well thank you so much for sharing your insights i love your energy and everything that you've shared you as well it's really been a pleasure uh and with that thank thank you so much thank you it was great chatting with you sounds like you get it so i hope you help <laughs> others be successful <laughs> appreciate it thank you very much all righty thank you for listening and i really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with sarah and myself and if you do want to connect with us either on linkedin or within the support driven community join us there and we're happy to connect